Pacific. You're with Julian on the Brown Note and a related look at the Battle of the Five Armies, the final adaption of J.R.R. Tolkien's Hobbit and the final of uh, both The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, which was released for 14 days last year in the States and still was the second highest grossing film of the entire year. So just about $800 million at the box office. Uh, and it was supposed to be directed by uh, Del Toro, but unfortunately he backed out after years of procrastination. Now, I'm a big fan of the Lord of the Rings films. They're not perfect and they have a bit of a, a Spielbergian, unnecessarily homely sort of style at times, but I think you couldn't have asked for better. Uh, the first Hobbit movie was, as everyone said, an hour too long. And as everyone said, the short story, the what 300 pages of The Hobbit, which was done in a much more childlike manner than the 1,100 pages of The Lord of the Rings, couldn't be stretched to fit the same amount of hours on screen as The Lord of the Rings. It's just ridiculous. And that ultimately has been the story of the trilogy. I was, however, uh, very, very happy with uh, Desolation of the Smog, the second film, suddenly everything clicked into gear and it was actually a really good film. So I was hoping that the upward trajectory would ha uh, continue with the Battle of the Five Armies, which uh, concludes the tale. And does it? No, I don't think so. Um, there's many things that are interesting and right about it and many more that are more prominent and wrong. For instance, the, the stuff that's right about it it's got probably the most sophisticated and complicated screenplay it needs to have because they've spent all this time with the protagonist, the Smog, the dragon, and they get rid of him at the very start. And then they have to work out how to get all of these disparate groups together to fight this big battle. Initially, the uh, humans, the dwarves, and the um, elves are all about to have a battle against each other. And in the end, they have to join forces against a much bigger invading orc force that's um, part of Sauron's master plan and all of this. So they had to, and then the whole thing is sort of undercut by um, the role of the series, which is Richard Armitage as the, the leader of, of the uh, hobbits and dwarves, or hobbit and dwarves, as they go off to fight Smog, and the rightful king of the, the dwarves that's been in exile. There's an amazing amount of parallels between the story of The Hobbit and the story of Lord of the Rings. You can easily transpose Aragorn's exile from his rightful kingdom and so on. There's many, many things that look like they were a dry run. Um, he's he's uh, somebody seduced by uh, eventually obtaining this huge hoard of gold in the mountain and once there doesn't want to share it with anyone or even protect his own when it comes to uh, whether or not to go and help. And that's the backbone of the movie. Uh, there's some very, very striking visual sequences in it. There's um, a, a, a perhaps shoehorned-in sequence where uh, Sauron appears and fights with um, Christopher Lee's Sar uh, Saruman and... Uh, what's her name? Kate Blanchett's... I can't remember what her name is now. Lady Gladriel... Um, and that sequence is beautifully filmed. It's a very sort of weird sequence where they fight these ghostly uh, nine riders as they appear and eventually um, battle Sauron himself. And there's an amazing sequence towards the end of the battles where the, it's all played out on ice and in the mountains and everything like that, which is really stunning visually. 
And the probably best sequence of the film is the opening 15 minutes where Smorg attacks the town. And um, it resembles more like the firebombing of something like Dresden or Tokyo. It's complete decimation. And there's, there's some dark themes in there as well uh, with regards to motivations and, and what people do. But unfortunately, the whole thing is kind of hamstrung by itself. Um, the fact that they have spent two entire films leading up to the smog appearing and then at the end of Desolation of the Smog, Benedict Cumberbatch and uh, Martin Freeman giving the, the trilogy its best moment when they, when they actually meet and have a discussion uh, and the whole thing was so beautifully handled that when you've got a protagonist that's loomed so long over a picture and you start the final encounter with that protagonist dying, it, it leaves a huge hole. And when you fill that hole with a massive battle against orcs, which has been one of the th parts of the trilogy, both trilogies, that I haven't enjoyed. There's too many. You can only watch so many orcs get swords stuck into them before it loses any sense of meaning. Uh, the battle sequence here is... is at times extremely well handled but it doesn't carry anything like the emotional weight as a, a huge battle sequence at the end of uh the return of the king uh, which had a lot more i thought emotion attached to it and that felt like a summation of everything whereas this kind of feels like a lot of people having a battle at the end of a film whose story is already ended really at the beginning um the other thing is the emotions aren't really there this time. It's kind of like there's, before they were fighting for the existence of everything, uh, this time it, it feels a little bit more like it's a, it's a battle and they're pretending that it's going to mean everything, but there's no sense of why it does. Uh, the protagonist that we're given is like a big orc, uh, which doesn't mean as much. Um, it's too boring. There's too much uh, twaddle going on. And it's too too little story by far. There's really not a very strong narrative story. Martin Freeman's Hobbit, which I thought was excellently played by him, has nothing like a story arc comparable to Frodo did, uh, where he went from this kind of irksome, good-natured chap into this absolute despair by the end. And Martin Freeman's oh, uh, character Bilbo doesn't really have that level of of depth to him. It was it was a very childlike book compared to Lord of the Rings and. And that shows as well. Um, it's kind of messy. The Sometimes the editing of scenes uh, is very abrupt. Like things just come and go and sometimes they're very jarringly juxtaposed next to each other. Um, uh, the other thing is the... Um, I was trying to remember what I was going to say now. It was an important point about the film as well. Well, anyway. Um, the direction I didn't think was terrifically strong. I thought it was the most difficult to to film of the of the three that he's done because it did rely on this sort of more wider scope story. But again, it wasn't that interesting. So, unfortunately for me, I, I will say in its defence, if you go to watch a, a two hour twenty minute Hollywood blockbuster, it's probably going to be as satisfying. Really, you're going to get as uh, the visuals are going to be there. But as far as actually engaging your heart or your soul or your mind, it is very sort of empty feeling. So um, worth a watch just for the spectacle, just for the resolution of the story. And it's kind of nice when Bilbo goes home again and finds his uh, belongings being sold on the street and everything. But it is ultimately, um, I think, the second weakest out of all six adaptations. I'm going to give it a six and a half out of ten for The Hobbit. Battle of the Five Army.